Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Amen. Yeah, give it Lord a hand. That's right. Amen. 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 Take your copy of God's Word. Begin to find Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Matthew 16. It's good to see everybody this morning. And uh, I'll have to say, as we uh, continue in our Character Sketches series, we've been dealing with a mini-series with the Apostle Peter. And uh, we've come to the last of that little mini-series in dealing with Peter. And today's message is entitled, A Living Stone. You know, one of the most important questions that you will ever be asked and the most important answer that you could ever give is found here in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Jesus is walking with his disciples and he says to them, who do men, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who, who are people claiming I am? Who, are, who am I according to the world's version? And so they begin to give answers. And Jesus listens as they give the answers. Not any comment, no commentary is really given. And then Jesus turns to the man and he asks this very all important question But who do you say I am? That's important. That's the most important question that you will ever be asked. And the answer that you give is going to be the most important answer you'll ever give in your life. And so Peter, the man who we've been talking about, who is full of blunders, who puts his foot in his mouth on many occasions, who is uh, quick to act rather than to think through the process of what he's about to do, makes a bold declaration. We, We find it in the text. Look at the text with me. In verse 15, Jesus said, but who... Do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered verse 16 and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What an answer. What a foundational, crucial, all-important answer for us as individuals, but certainly for us as a church. Amen? Who do we say that Jesus is? And so Jesus responds to Peter. And listen to what he says to him. And I say to you that you are Peter. You're the Petros. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I want you to think about that statement for a minute because in all honesty, uh, anytime I've really ever preached this text, I've always sort of dealt with a cursory understanding of it. I've always, you know, sort of heard preachers do something cursory with it. You never hear anybody sort of camp on this verse. And so what I want to do is I want to sort of camp on this verse this morning. And I want to do that because I believe out of this text, out of this verse, This response that Jesus gives about Peter, I believe, has some connection, some bearing to you and I. 
And I'm going to hopefully, at the end of the sermon, make that connection. I hope. If not, you're just going to walk out educated today. You know, I always want to ask myself when I preach, you know, what is the point? You know, I don't want to just bring you in on Sunday morning and you walk out with a bunch of head knowledge and say, well, I know some important Bible facts or I know some Bible trivia. I want to give you more than facts. I want you something that you can uh, apply. You can take home tonight, this week, and use in your life. So when we begin to think about Jesus' response, there's three ways in which we can take this response in regard to Peter. And so what I want to do is I sort of want to talk about the three ways that we can take that verse and apply that verse and interpret that verse. And then I'm going to tie it into your life and my life at the end, okay? So if that sounds fair, say amen. All right, if I don't, then we'll say oh me. So the first response that we have and the first interpretation that many would give is that when Jesus says that you are Peter, he says, and on this rock, many refer to the fact that what Jesus is saying is that he is referring to Peter as the foundation of the church. You got to remember that there's only three times in the gospels that the word church is used. It's a new concept. It's a new idea. It is a new organism by which Jesus is going to breathe into life. And we're going to see that happen at Pentecost in the book of Acts, the birth of a New Testament church. So it's really a new concept. So there's only three times in which in the context that Jesus will use the word church, here being one of them, Matthew 18 being another example. But as Jesus is referring to the church, notice he says, and some people would say that Peter is this foundation of the church. As a matter of fact, many of our friends who are Roman Catholic would believe that. They would say, well, the Bible here is clearly teaching that what Jesus is saying is that Peter is really becoming the first bishop of Rome or really becoming what he would call the Pope, the first Pope. Well, we know that can't be the truth because if you just read a a cursory reading of the New Testament, what you find is that there is only one foundation to the church. Amen? Y'all with me? There's one foundation of the church. And it's not a human being in the sense of you and I or a disciple. As a matter of fact, write this verse down because it's so crucial and so important as you begin to think about it. Write down Ephesians 5.23. Listen to what Paul says. For as the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is what? Head of the church. So the real head of the church is not a pastor. It's not a deacon. It's not a cardinal. It's not a bishop. It's not a pope. The real head of the church, the one who has all the authority, the one who has all the control, the one who has all the brains, is who? Jesus Christ. He is indeed the leader of the church. You're saying, well, that doesn't talk about foundations. Well, then listen to this. Write down 1 Corinthians 3.11. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3.11. For no other foundation can anyone, Paul says, lay. That is, there's no other foundation that anyone could ever lay than that which is laid. And what is that foundation? It is Jesus Christ. So Paul reminds the church of Corinth that We may all build on that foundation. That is, we all have spiritual giftedness. We all have this 
good works that we may do and things that we may be involved in in the life of the church, but the true foundation of the church is none other than Jesus Christ. Did Peter understand it that way? He certainly did. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. He says, Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay, a Zion, or lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him, that is Jesus, will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. Amen, he is. But to those who are disobedient, now here it is, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief corner stone. Jesus Christ, according to the apostle Peter, is the head of the church, not himself. If Peter would have understood that, then certainly he would have gotten a big head about it because you can remember and I'll talk more about this in a minute, but you can remember that the disciples had an issue with who would be greatest in the kingdom of God. They had a problem with that. They couldn't get that under control. And as a matter of fact, we're going to see in just a little bit that they, not shortly after this perfect declaration of truth, are going to be arguing about who is really in control. We know that Peter takes the back seat. So we know then, and we can say that we reject this position on biblical grounds. We have proof that the head of the church is not any man, but one Jesus Christ. Amen. And so therefore, how do we then interpret this text? Well, the second way that we look at this text is a very conservative approach. And I believe is a very uh, excellent approach. And that is that the text is referring, and Jesus is referring to Peter's confession. What did Peter say? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And as we think about that text, we commend it very highly because we understand that it was an inspired statement given by God. You're saying, how do you know that? Well, look down at verse 17. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but what? My Father who is in heaven. It was a divinely inspired statement. It was given by God in his prompting of the Holy Spirit in Peter's life for Peter to make this declaration that Jesus is indeed the Christ. He is indeed the Messiah. That is foundational truth for the church. I said it at the beginning, but let me just remind you that if the church ceases to deny the statement of faith that Peter just made, if the church begins to teach something other than Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And by the way, when we talk about Messiah, we mean Savior, the one who the Bible said in the Old Testament would come and who would rule on the throne of David, but he would also save his people from their sins. When we think about the Messiah, we think about the Savior of the world, the one that John declared, God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Don't forget, this is foundational truth. And if a church ceases to preach that as foundational truth, they begin to add to that truth, they begin to subtract from that truth, then they cease to be a church. Amen? 
They cease to be a church. You cannot deny the validity of Peter's statement and be a church. It's impossible. Because the church is built upon Jesus Christ, its foundation, but specifically so as the Messiah, as Lord, as Savior of the church. He is indeed the head. Amen? Not the pastor, not the bishops, not the deacons. Jesus is the head of the church. And Jesus would go on and he would talk about Peter's confession and Peter would pick up on that same confession in Acts 4, verses 11 through 12. And listen, as Peter is preaching, by the way, he's preaching to a hard crowd. This crowd of folks was called the Pharisees. And they had already told Peter, you got to quit all that Jesus talk. We don't want to hear Jesus talk around here. And so he's standing before them and listen to his confession in verses 11 and 12 of Acts 4. He said, this is the stone, Jesus, which was rejected by builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. He says, nor is there salvation, I love this, in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which men must be saved, period. There's no other way, folks. Jesus Christ is the only way for us to be saved. And if the church moves away from this confession, then we cease to be a church. So whatever we may understand, whatever you may have been told, whatever ideology you've ever read online, every sermon you've ever heard preach, if they move away from the foundational truth that that Peter's statement is foundational for the church because it, it is Jesus Christ himself, then you have heard a lie, not a truth. Amen? But then there's these people that have this other interpretation and I want to talk about it a little bit because I think there's something to commend it as well. And that is that as Jesus is talking, Jesus is making reference to Peter and he says, upon this rock. Now I want you to listen very carefully to the grammatics. He says, you are Peter. The word in the Greek is Petros, singular word meaning rock. Then the word that he uses from there is, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. Upon this rock, not Petros, but Petra. You're saying, oh, it sounds very similar. It, it does because they're similar in the sense of nouns, but they're different because in the Greek nomenclature, you can make a noun either masculine, feminine, or neuter. You can do that. In other words, you can make it refer to a man, a woman, or you can make it neuter. So here, Jesus is saying, and the biblical writers are writing, Peter, you are a rock. You're Petros, singular, male. You're Petra, you're Peter. And on this, specifically this, right? This, this what? I will build my church, Petra. Petra is not rock. Petra is the same word that is used, and you can go and look at it grammatically in a Strong's Concordance, and you'll find that the word Petra was also used when we talk about a heavy stone, a boulder throughout the New Testament. So Jesus is saying, Peter, a rock, and then here's this boulder. Now, I believe as you look at the text, 
you can't help but make some kind of correlation between Petra and Petros. Jesus is meaning something in regard to Peter here in this text. You cannot get away from that. Obviously, the upfront answer is his confession. Upon that confession, I'm going to build my church. What confession? Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God. I will build my church. But there is some regard and some respects by which, if you look at the life of Peter through the New Testament, he is a foundational apostle. Now, I'm not talking about the foundation of the church, but the foundation in the sense of the growth of the church. When you begin to think about Jesus saying, I will build my church, how does Jesus build the church? He uses people like you and me, right? Paul would say people come to faith in Jesus Christ, how? Through the foolishness of preaching. It's through the gospel that people come to know Jesus Christ. And God chooses to use us to tell the gospel to people. So in some regard, in the text, we can't totally dismiss that Jesus is making a reference to Peter, not as the foundation of the church, that would make him the pope. Or that would make him the bishop. Or that would make him the leader. No, Jesus is the head. He is not going to designate anyone else to be the leader of the church. He is. But there are foundations of the church in which we're talking about building upon. I read that statement that Peter, or excuse me, that Paul made, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, when he talks about building on what? The foundation. There's no other foundation has been laid but Jesus, but people build on it. And then he would say, be careful how you build. Are, are you with me? Have I lost you yet? And so if we think about it in that regard, we begin to think about Peter. And here's where I'm going to make this transition to us. When you begin to think about Peter being foundational in the sense that God is using him in the work of building the church, he wants to use all of us in the idea of growing and building his church. Each of us here have the privilege of having, if you are born again, if you, if you belong to Jesus Christ and been redeemed by him, each of us in this room have what we would call a spiritual giftedness. We have this ability endowed by the Holy Spirit given to us by which, what? Every joint supplies, every person does what they're called to do, to do what? To grow the church. We don't have time to talk about that text today, but you can read over in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and begin to read about spiritual giftedness and how God is growing the church through that. Now, I said I was going to bring that about to us. How was I going to do it? Well, first of all, I want you to write in your margin there. It has to do with Peter a little bit because Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2.20, listen to what he says, talking about the church. And he says, having been built, how? How has the church been built? He says, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus, is, Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner Stone. So Paul says in Ephesians that the, God used the apostles, that includes Peter, for what? For the building of his church, for the growing of his church. How so? By the way, how so? Good question. By preaching and sharing the foundational truth, Jesus Christ. We don't find Peter doing anything else. We find Peter, even when he's healing, he's giving credit to Jesus. He's all the time talking about Jesus. Everywhere he goes, he's talking about Jesus. We don't give him enough credit. But he is a godly man. He loves Jesus. He is a man of faith, a man of character. Yes, sometimes flawed, but a great man of character. And so when we think about Peter 
and Jesus may referring to Peter as foundational, he is building upon himself with Peter. And let me just give you a couple of examples and then we'll be done. First of all, Jesus is referring to Peter as perhaps a leader of the others. Because if you remember last week's sermon in Luke chapter 22, verse 32, you can write it down. Jesus said that Satan wanted to sift Peter. Remember we talked about sifting to be strengthened. And sometimes we go through a sifting in our lives. And so he talked about in that text, he said, I have prayed for you, he says, that your faith shall not fail. And when you have returned to me, do what? Strengthen your brothers. And we talked about in that text last week how when Jesus said Satan wants to sift, he wanted to sift all the guys. You remember? It was a plural you. He wanted to sift all of them. But then Jesus said, but I have prayed for you singular. I have prayed for you specifically, Peter, that when you re- are restored, when you return, that you would strengthen the rest of these guys. He's a leader. He's a leader. He stands up and he speaks. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. It's obvious that he's a leader. Listen to what it says. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 and said, this is the text. If you remember in Acts chapter one, beginning in verse 15, it was when Peter stood up, I believe under the inspiration of the spirit of God, quoted the scriptures that Judas had to be replaced and they were going to elect a new disciple by what? By lot and God would have it that the lot would fall on Matthias. And then in Acts 2, verse 14, listen to Peter again. But Peter, standing up with the 11, so he's in the group of the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. And he preaches one of the most fiery, branded sermons ever preached, talking about at Pentecost. And what does he preach? The foundation of his confession, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is indeed the chief cornerstone. He is the rock that the fathers rejected. And he preaches a fiery, fiery sermon. We see him leading out when it comes to the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 10 and 11, we have him getting a vision from God. And he goes and he reaches out to Cornelius. And he goes to Cornelius and they receive Christ and the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And then he gets back. And what do they say to him? They're having a dispute in Jerusalem. They're having a dispute about, is it really that God is saving Gentiles? And Peter goes on this defense and he tells them, he said, listen, it wasn't my idea to go there. It was God's idea. And in fact, I was just resting on the rooftop and God gave me a vision. And God says, what I call clean is clean. And the rest is history. The church began to accept the fact that Gentiles were being redeemed by the blood of Christ and through the testimony of the gospel. Peter is definitely a leader. But as we think about Peter being a leader, let's keep in mind that the words that Jesus spoke to him, that in calling Peter out to be a leader among his peers, still meant that Peter understood what Jesus' hard lesson is going to teach in the upper room when he dons a, a towel and gets a basin of water that whoever is the greatest needs to be the least. We, we do not find that leadership means being a dictator or a tyrant or lording it over people. We never find that to be the case. And we know that Peter never took it as such because you can remember again in Acts 18, verses 1 through 5, the disciples began 
not for the first time, but for the second time, to argue about who is greatest in the kingdom. But again, how did Peter understand those words? If I'm going to be a leader among my peers, if I'm going to be built or building on this foundation of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to be a foundational builder to build on that foundation, how did Peter understand it? Well, we already saw that Peter understood it, that it's Jesus Christ, the foundation. But how did Peter understand it in the sense of his leadership? Well, listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 through 7 again. He says, Therefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, he goes on and says, To you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Peter understands his leadership as subservient to Jesus Christ. He realizes who's in charge. He realizes who's the head of the church. He realizes that he is not the foundation that Jesus is. Second of all, Peter saw himself in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. He's writing to a dispersed group of Christians who are going through heavy persecution. Listen to what he writes to them. He said, Simon Peter, here it is, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Yes, he's an apostle, but what did he list first? He's a bondservant. He's a galley slave. He understands his position is not one of exuding authority by dictatorship, but humbly serving the people by which God has called him to serve. Humbly being a leader in the church. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, listen to what he says. He says, to the elders who are among you, I exhort. He says, who am a fellow elder? Paul realized that even though he could have elevated himself, or excuse me, Peter realized he could have elevated himself to a higher position, he did not. What did he do? He said, I'm among you. We're doing this together. We are a team. We are a body of Christ working together for what? Building on the foundation of Jesus Christ because he is the Messiah the son of God. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Now, how does that apply to you? You're saying, what does that mean for me? Well, I think Martin Luther says it well. Listen to what Martin Luther said 500 years ago. All who agree with the confession of Peter are Peter's themselves setting on a sure foundation. That is so true, isn't it? That if we hold to that confession, we're like Peter. What are we doing? We are continuing to be used of God to build his church. Every time we share the gospel and somebody gets saved, there's another jewel in the crown of Jesus. Amen? There's another person added to the church. Don't you just love to hear the statement that in Acts 2 when it says that when they were cut to the heart and they believed about 3,000 souls were added to the church. And then it says on in the text that as the persecution ensued, it says, and daily God was adding to the church. That is, every day people who are getting saved. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the foundation, because He is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Lord, the Christ, who has come to save. And all Peter did, and all the other guys ever did, was continue to go back to the confession and preach the confession. And that's what we need to do today. And if we will do the same today, listen, we are builders on the foundation. But be careful how we build. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Listen to what Peter says lastly, and then I'm going to be done. I'm going to wind it down and give you some application. Listen to what he says. He says, coming to him, 
that is, to Jesus. He's, he's giving some application now. Coming to him, to Jesus, that is, as a living stone. See, Peter, Petros, Petra. Peter said, we are all living stones. And we come to Jesus as a living stone. He says, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Why are we living stones? Because he is the living stone. Verse 4. Then we are living stones. Verse 5. You also as a living stone. You get it? He is a living stone. We get life through Jesus Christ. The only way you can have life and be alive is through Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you're dead in your trespasses and sin. You are separated from God. But through Jesus Christ, we have life. Verse 4, he says, it is coming to him, he says, who is a living stone. He's rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. And you also, listen to what he says, and you also as living stones, listen to what he says, are being built up a spiritual house. What is that? The church. He is building us up. The church is not this building. The church is the people. And the people are spiritual people, right? We are endowed with the Holy Spirit who binds us together and unites us together in Christ. And we form this organism called the church. And so he says we are a spiritual house. He says a holy priesthood. See, I don't need a priest. I am a priest. Amen. I can go to Jesus at any time. I don't need somebody to speak for me. I can go and speak to him myself. Why? Because he has already made the veil torn and I don't need to have to worry about it any longer. Amen. I have access to the father through Christ. And then he says to offer up. Now here it is. Here's the application. Listen carefully. He says, we come as living stones. We're like Peter, living stones to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Your responsibility, my responsibility is to offer up spiritual sacrifices according to what Peter says. What are those? Well, I can tell you what one is. We've done it earlier today. And that is offering up praise and thanksgiving. It's our worship. We ought to worship. That's a form in which we worship and give God ourselves. Paul would say in Romans 12, it's your bodies. Offer up your bodies. What? A living sacrifice. We offer up our bodies. What about that which we do as far as our good works? The things that we do, we do all for the glory of Christ. What about our possessions? They all belong to him and we give them back to him. What about our love? We love him because he first loved us. What about our praying? Is prayer important? You betcha. It's important. So our job, our job, according to this text is what? To understand the confession. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the son of God. There is no other. That means there's no other way, there's no other truth, and there's no other life but Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. And upon that confession, upon that truth, upon himself, Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. And what we have to do is, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, we build upon that foundation, but let's be wise in how we do that. Amen? Why? Because like Peter, we've been called to be living stones, not dead. We're not called to sit on a pew and do nothing. We're not called to put on autopilot in our Christian life. No, as living stones, we offer up spiritual sacrifices to our God.
who redeemed us. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.